do any of you ever think like, you know, if you get the opportunity to preach that you're just like so um, so excited to be able to say you may be seated. <laughs> it's a good thing to be able to say. Okay. Well, today I do want to talk to you about a topic that I've only ever spoken on once before because it's not really an easy topic to talk about. Um, it's a topic that I've had to live, whether I've wanted to or not. Um, and I think you'll find it's a topic that a lot of you um, are living and maybe not because you want to. So today I actually want to talk about singleness and being single. Um, and I thought I'd start off with a little bit of my story. Uh, some of you might not know, uh, but many, many years ago, uh, I was actually married. I was uh, married for six years. Um, I met a guy who went to Bible college. We were doing ministry together uh, and we got married. And then uh, six years later, uh, he walked away from God and then after he walked away from God, um, he walked away from me. And I can remember coming home one day and, um, and, and you know, in the car ride on the way home, he's like, I, I was saying something to him. I said, you always seem angry with me. I don't understand why you're so angry with me. And uh, he goes, well, when we get home, we need to talk. So I spent the rest of the car ride wondering what it was we were going to talk about. And when I got home, he said, I don't, I don't want to be married anymore. He goes, um, I'm not in love with you. I'm not, I'm not sure I ever was. And, um, yeah, I don't, I don't want to be married. Now, I'm not one to take things lightly. <laughs> so I said, well, we can't just say that we're not going to get married like, we're Christians, that's, that's, you know, that's not really the deal that we entered into. Um, we've, got to, we've got to fight for this. And so part of our fighting, uh, which he sort of agreed to half-heartedly, was to, um, to go to counselling. And I can just remember that very, very first session of counselling. The counsellor said, well, um, said to him, well, do you want to, do you want to talk about it? Um, and he said, no. He said, do you want to talk about what went wrong? Do you want to reflect, give Leanne any information? And he's like, no, I, I just want to separate. And there was kind of nowhere to really go from there. And, um, and so after that I continued counselling sessions on, by myself um, because he wasn't wanting to, to work on that. And I found myself um, struggling with I'm getting divorced now because he was submitting papers for divorce whether I liked it or not. didn't matter whether I signed them or not. It was happening. And, um, and I found that really difficult. It was like my, my whole worldview had changed. Um, but then I had to then go. So that was, that was 17 years ago. And since then, I've been basically single, um, which was not something that I was planning on. It certainly wasn't in my hopes and dreams. It wasn't what I thought about 
when I was a little kid, it wasn't how I imagined my life, but yet still I find myself here and single. And obviously that has lots of ramifications because I'm older now, so I'm 49 now. I know, you can't, you can't tell, can you? <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for reinforcing that, Ruben. <laughs> uh, so, um, so, yeah, so it wasn't a life that, that I was expecting that I was going to be. And to be honest with you, it's not always been one I've wanted. I have uh, struggled with it sometimes. I find I'm okay with it and sometimes I find I'm not okay with it and sometimes I find I really wrestle with God over it. And I can remember um, it was only maybe a year after uh, we separated and, and were divorced and everything. I remember praying, well, God, you know, if I'm going to have kids, well, you better hurry up and, you know, you like try and, you know, biological clock is ticking. And, you know, I was really praying about it. And then um, God showed me this verse, which I had like a love-hate relationship with. Um, and it's a, the verse on the next slide. It says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Uh, and this is the verse that God gave me, which is um, which is great. It sounds like a great verse of promise uh, that you know you're going to do great things. You're going to have an everlasting name. But all I saw in it was. You're not going to have kids. And that's what it spoke to me. And that was something I really had to wrestle with. Um, and, you know, it took me, it took me a little while, but, but I got there. But, but then there was still the ongoing story of, well, you know, I want to be with someone and how does that work out? And how do I not get angry with God over this? Um, and it was something that, that I've struggled with and continue to struggle with. Um, but I'm definitely further along the journey. And I wanted to raise it today because there are many of us here who are single and you probably need to hear some of this. I'm not saying you're going to be single forever, but there's things that we go through when we're single. And for all the people here who are married, you need to hear it too because you need to understand what your brothers and sisters are going through and how you can speak into their life. So today I want to talk about some of the, the myths that we believe about being single that are actually incorrect. There's things that we commonly believe in this world that are incorrect. And um, I've put this, this book up um, because... I read this book uh, last year and it really helped to change my worldview. So if, if today's message is something that, that really impacts you, I would really recommend um, reading this book because it will go way deeper than, than, um, than what we're able to do today. But um, I thought today it would be good to hear from someone else about their journey with singleness as well and to have a bit of a, 
an up-close and personal conversation about, um, about singleness and how we deal with it because it is often a highly personal thing that we never talk about. It's not easy to talk about and I'm hoping today um, uh, that um, what you hear will resonate with you and speak directly to your heart and speak to the deep places where maybe you don't always go. So I'm going to invite Julia to come up who's going to, to share. And we're just going to have just, just five minutes of chatting about being single. So uh, Julia is a faithful member of our church and has been here for about a year now, coming to the church for about a year now. Um, and Julia... Yeah, you can take that off for now. So, uh, Julia, you're um, you're single now. Um, what did you think your life was going to be like when you were a little girl? Well, as a little girl, I didn't really think about my future, but all people around me, as a family, we met families, so it was just normal to be married and have kids. So when I was a teenager, um, that was my plan, to get married and have kids, have a family and a job. And uh, how has that worked out for you? It hasn't. <laughs> so I never got married. I never had chi uh, kids. Um, I would say it just didn't happen. So, yeah. So what are some of the things that you've had to learn about uh, with being single when maybe it wasn't necessarily your plan? No, it wasn't. And to be honest... Um, it is the strongest pain in my life or grief that I have. That was always my plan, to have a partner, to have kids. And um, I was waiting and hoping, but it just didn't happen. So, um, of course, that had um, repercussions with my faith because, of course, I asked God. Um, so I struggled with God. I uh, fought with God. And um, it was a long journey, as you just said. And... Um, um, it still is, is in some ways, but let's say, I would say the amplitude is not as high as it used to be when I was younger, um, and it's some way okay now. Um, but I think your question was what it was, can you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah, what are some of the things that you've had to learn about yeah. being single? So what I realized as a single, first of all, I've never, never had the feeling that I'm incomplete. I had people talking, especially girls or women, um, only when I found my husband, I felt I was complete, and I just thought, no, I never felt like that. I always felt that I was okay. I always felt that I was complete. Um, it was not that my life is fulfilled if I am a, a wife. I've never had that. Um, I also learned you have to be, as a single, you have to be initiative to get in touch with people because when you are home, you are on your own, which I can enjoy as well. But I think more than couples, you have to be initiative to meet people, to be together with people, and that I really need that. Um, we need people who are close. We need good friends. And it's really important that we um, get on the way and do something and meet people. We need correction. We need encouragement. We need some kind of community. And if it's not a husband, we, we, uh, we need good friends. And that's something you find, like I know as a single, that's something I have to find. I have to actually plan and make sure it's happening in my life yep. because, um, you know, life is busy, um, married people are busy, single people are busy, so it's kind of like you've got to schedule uh, 
a social life ahead of time and you've got to work at making sure it's happening because if you have this period where it's not happening, that becomes not good. Yeah. Another aspect I found important is that I should not live my life in waiting yeah. because um, for some time it's normal to be a single, um, like in your early 20s. I just turn around a bit so I can see the other people as well. Um, it is... Um, It is normal to be single for some time, um, but especially in Christian circles or in churches, it ends with marriage. And it's a phase very often defined as a phase of waiting for a husband or a wife. Um, and I realized that I postponed things because I always thought if I have a husband or when I have a husband, I'll do it. And I realized I have to stop doing that. So um, if you plan things or if you do not just plan and rely on I will do it when I'm married, but do it. Go for it and do it and don't wait eternally for things to happen um, because you might miss on richness in life if you just think, I can only do it if I have a partner. That's wrong. Many things you can do as a single and they, they are fun and they are cool and they are good and um, you don't have, it's, it's not like um, don't define yourself as yeah, being incomplete or having to wait until something else can happen. And that was very important for me. What was one of the things that you've done that you didn't, didn't wait for? Um, yeah, for example, I had a sabbatical four years ago and I thought about what I could do and I thought I'd like to travel around the world, you know, travel west all the times and come back from the other side. And people said, well, you're single. Are you going to do it alone? And I said, well, if I have nobody to go with me, I'll just do it on my own. And... Um, so I did it, and it was a really, really good time. And, of course, on my travels, I was sometimes lonely, and I thought, you know, it would be so good to do it with somebody together. There were times where I loved being on my own and just thought, it's so good, I don't have to ask somebody if I could stay here for three hours or five hours. I can just do what I want. Yeah. And this is another thing I learned, um, that um, it also has advantages. So when I see married couples or families... And I think I can just decide, you know, today I'm not doing this, I just do that. I can be very spontaneous and free. And I know um, this is something you cannot do when you are in a relationship. So another thing is to also appreciate aspects of my lifestyle that, that are positive and not only regarded as something negative. Yeah, yeah I think we often uh, look at singleness as uh, something missing from our life rather than um, that there are advantages to it yeah. as well. <laughs> so how have you had to uh, process or work with God about singleness? Um, I must say this is one of my greatest challenges um, in my relationship to God to struggle with that because it was never my plan and I never wanted it and I always assumed it would not be so I was not one of those young women who, who were always looking out and eager. So until 25 or 26, I was very relaxed. I just thought it will happen, you know, um, no need to um, be stressed about that. Um, but then came a time where I found it difficult. So I have had times when I accused God, when I shouted at God, when I was really angry. I felt God was punishing me, and I always wondered what it was. Um, I was looking for faults, um, I was looking for answers, um, I was really rude to God, um, 
but I learned, I just realized that it made me more and more bitter about the situation. And I had to come to the point where I realized that we often want to understand God, and there are things where we cannot understand God. We just cannot understand him. And I also learned that whoever you ask, everybody has a pain in his life. Everybody has. Everybody has regrets. Everybody has has a pain or something that is really difficult for them. And um, in some, sometimes Christians try to answer questions that are not answerable. And if we try to find answers and always struggle to find answers, it hurts us even more. And um, I realized that um, I once spoke to my brother who lost several children. And he said he was struggling with God and asking God why. And he realized if God answers the questions, if God answered that question, or God said to him, if I answer that question to you, it will, it will not help. Because if God says, because I decided so, how can I trust a God that is good? If God said it was because you made a mistake here or there, how could we feel like children approaching our God with um, being relaxed? Because we would always fear we make a mistake and God would punish it. If God said it's because this and this and this around you, we would say that's unfair. Yeah? So I think we need to learn that we are humans and we cannot fathom God. And we have to accept that. So I realized for myself, I was at a point once when I said, God, I will stop questioning that. And I will just tell you that I trust you. I want to trust you that you are the good shepherd. I want to trust you that... Um, sorry. If I come to the point where I just say... Um, God is good. And I trust in your goodness. I trust in your... A provision, I trust. Maybe one day I will understand, maybe I won't, but I stop asking. And that kind of untied the knot and helped me to relax and to say, good. Everybody has his grief, her grief, and we, we will never be able to understand God and faith in God, and we should stop at some point sometimes to ask why. Because even Job never knew why. God never told him. God told him about his greatness, but he never ever told him the reason. And I think if God had told Job why he suffered that much, it would have broken him. Because if he said, because there was a bet, you know, that you would never lose faith, and this is why I took everything away, that would have been so cruel. I, as Job, would have lost my faith. So I think sometimes it's good we don't know. Yeah, it helps us to trust and to just accept God is God and we are humans. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Julia. Why don't you give her a hand? You know, it's, it's not easy to get up and, and share stories like that and your testimony. So thank you so much. Julia for, for sharing. I know Julia and I, uh, we've become very good friends in the last year and we've had lots of discussions about this kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, because we find ourselves in a similar situation. So, yeah, um, thank you so much, Julia, for being willing to share. And there's some just great insights there about how to manage your singleness and not let it pull you apart. Uh, some great wisdom there. Um, 
So today I do want to talk about our worldviews and the things that we believe about singleness in particular, whether we're married or single, we still believe these things. Uh, and a lot of it is just coming from the world around us. A lot of it is just coming from the movies we watch. And it's actually not based on the Word of God. So today what I want to do is bring back what the Word of God says about our singleness or the relationships that we have with others in community or the close relationships that we have. So this applies to everyone because we all have worldviews. We all have understandings about how um, the world ticks. And I want to go through some of the things that we believe that are actually incorrect. So can I ask you to be open to these things, to really analyse, well, what do you think? Because some of these are the deep things that we think. They're not like the surface level. I've tried to go to the deep things we think about singleness. And I've kind of picked the ones that are things that um, have really impacted me as I've gone along in my journey with this. Um, so, I, so I would say at some stage in your life, you're going to have to make a choice about your worldview. And is it the worldview of the world that you live by or is it the worldview of what God says? And you're going to have to choose which one has authority in your life, which one has the ultimate say. And I hope that you decide today that it's God's word that has the ultimate say in how you construct in your mind how the world should work. So are you ready to go through some myths of singleness? Okay, so myth number one, romantic fulfilment is a fundamental to a full and complete life. That is, if we're not having a sexual romantic relationship in our life, then our life doesn't count. Um, I know I, I struggled with this a lot. Because I used to, what, how I used to think was, well, I'm human. Humans are created as sexual beings. Humans are created uh, for intimate relationship. Um, but the only place that led me to was, well, that means, God, you are withholding something good from me. And then that was making me bitter towards God. I can remember once... I was, uh, I was travelling and I was at the train station in Florence, Italy, like beautiful, beautiful session uh, um, scene and I'm sitting there really thinking about like, God, I'm single, why am I still single, why am I not married, why, why this, why, 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 why? And then as I was sitting there, you know, Florence is a crowded station and this was pre-COVID time, so... Um, I was standing there and these um, this couple came up and they were about as far away from me as this um, pedestal and they just started kissing passionately. And I'm sitting there going, oh. So I kept eating my chips, just going, I'm getting, <laughs> I'm getting so angry right now. And then... 
And then I was, and then I finally got on the train. And then I was on the train, and I was sitting in this sit. I saw allocated seating, and there were these. Um, there's this couple coming along, and they realised that their seating is. He's over there and she's over here. And you can see them having a conversation about it. And I'm sitting there going, well, I could give them my seat, but why should I? Like, I have to struggle. Why should, why should, like, why should I be nice to them? They're obviously together every, uh, already. And, you know, they've got someone I haven't. Why should I be nice? I want the window seat. This is what I paid for. <laughs> and, um, and, then, and then I just felt like God say to me, Really? Is that who you want to be? And I decided, no, that was not who I wanted to be. So I, um, I got up and I said, look, I'll swap my seat with one of you. And thankfully, they were so happy that they got to sit together and the seat that I got swapped with was still a window seat. So that was good. But then that train journey became a real time of reflection. And I like to journal a lot. So I got my journal out and I wrote this whole thing entitled My Black Heart. <laughs> because I, I just felt like there's just so much bitterness in my heart about this, so much unforgiveness and so much anger towards God about it. Like, and like normally I wouldn't even know that that was there, but because it was just that moment in that scenario and I'd been praying about it, it was so in my face literally that that I just journaled about it and I felt like that that was something God really wanted to speak to me through. He's like, romantic fulfilment is not the end game. Intimacy with me is. And I think, you know, we think that, you know, we hear, you know, Jerry Maguire, you complete me and, uh, and all of that. But it's not true. That's just Hollywood. That's just the fairy tales that we grow up with that all say happily ever after. They never mention the after, mind you. <laughs> and, you know, I've been married, so I know what the after can be like sometimes. But, um, you know, it's not always a bed of roses. Um, but, yeah, so romantic fulfilment is not necessarily fundamental to a full and complete life. It depends how you look at it. Are you part of the human race and you're just looking at it from a scientific viewpoint, which means, you know, we're created for humanity, um, we have these rights, we have these biological needs, we have all these things in place, and that can be our worldview. Or our worldview can be that God is our creator and he created us to have relationship with him and that's the ultimate thing that we strive for. You see, it's just a slight change, but it has different ramifications of how you work it out in your head. So, so romantic fulfillment is fundamental to a full and complete life, is a myth. It's not true. You can have a full, complete life without ever being married. Jesus did it. He was fully human. A lot of us go, but he was God as well. But he was still fully human. If we don't accept that he was fully human and that he understood everything that we understood, that was the whole point of him coming. So our theology hits us as well there. We have to understand that Jesus was fully human. We can't just discount that and go, but he was God as well, so it doesn't count because otherwise the whole gospel doesn't count. 
So he was fully human. He knew what it was like to want to have sex, to want it to be to, to be intimate with other people. He knew about that. And he struggled through that and he lived a full life through that. No one can say his life didn't count. So oftentimes, I think like Julia was saying, we, we've got this thing in our head that when I get married, I'll wait till I get married. Just start living your life now. You don't know if you're going to get married or not. Sure, do everything possible to make that happen if that's something that you want. But there's no guarantee that it's going to happen. And certainly um, for people who are married, you don't know how long you're going to be married for. Someone could pass away, you never know. And with today's rate of divorce as well, you know, it's not a safe bet. We're all going to be single at some stage. So singleness is something we need to talk about more. Uh, a lot of people, another myth that people have, oh, so sorry, before I do that, I did have a verse for there. So it says that the, Jesus said this, he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but that I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He's talking about you and me. He has life to the full for both you and me. And it doesn't say in brackets um, only if they're married. It says that we have life to the full. Every single one of us here has that promise. We have life to the full because Jesus gives it and he intends to be the fulfilment of everything that we need. It's a bit of a jealous God that way. Okay, second myth. Singleness is a calling. You know, people talk about, well, I don't feel called to be single. And the thing is, if we view singleness as a calling or something that God's designated to us, if you find yourself single and you don't feel like it's your calling, then you struggle. So, yes, some people do feel uh, like they have the gift and they just never decide that they want to be married and that they're totally okay with that. But that's not everyone who is single. There are many people who are single where they don't feel it's a calling. Um, someone asked Jesus about that. And he said, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Some from birth seemingly never give marriage a thought. They're probably the ones that have kind of got a gift of celibacy. It's not a concern to them. Others never get asked or accepted. Maybe that's where we find ourselves a lot today. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. But if you're capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. So Jesus is not saying marriage is the way you should do it or the wrong way or the right way. He's just saying it's a way. Marriage is a way of living life, but it doesn't mean that it's for everyone. And Jesus is certainly saying here it's not necessarily for everyone. Um, but Hollywood tells us it's for everyone, doesn't it? Our world tells us for everyone. All the fairy tales that we grow up listening to tell us it's for everyone it's always you know the damsel in distress and the knight in shining armor like we've grown up 
with this worldview of that you should expect to be married. And then when it doesn't happen, it crushes us and we, we start going down the road of thinking, what is wrong with me? I must be wrong. And, you know, oh, maybe, maybe I haven't learnt the lessons enough. Maybe, maybe I'm not... Um, maybe there's lessons that I still need to learn. Maybe I'm not really ready. But I know plenty of people who were married who were never ready for marriage. So, you know, you can discount that one out. But these are the things we say in our head to ourselves that maybe we never say out loud, um, but they impact us because they're coming from a worldview, so they control us. So today I want to expose that worldview and help you to see that some of the things that we believe are actually not lining up with the world of word of God. You know, singleness is a calling. It's not true. It's a state... It's just a state of life that many people find themselves in. It could be before you get married. We all start off single. It could be widowhood. It could be after separation. You know, we're all single at some stage in our life. And just because you do get married is not a good guarantee that you'll never be single again. Myth number three. Singleness is being deprived of family. And I think this is something that um, that a lot of us who have been single for a long time, certainly Julia expressed it, I've felt it, um, is this idea that you're not going to have children. It's this idea that um, you don't belong to someone, that you, you're not part of a family. But this does not line up with the word of God because the Western view of the self sufficient nuclear family is a Western concept. It's not a biblical concept. In the Bible, family includes wife, brother, sister, uncle, um, all of the whole household. It was like cousins. It was extended family. And uh, some of you are from different cultures where family is defined by your extended family. Uh, But some of us come from cultures where our family is like, Uh, mother, father and two kids and that's the nuclear family. But the biblical view of family is the bigger picture. So you belong in a family. You were born into a family and you belong to a family. Now maybe you don't have good relationships with your uh, relational family but that's okay because you're also born into Christ's family. Uh, the church family, and you belong. So you find yourself here today, you belong here. You belong to this community. So you need to start seeing yourself as someone who belongs to the community that you're in. Another thing is, well, I'll never be a parent. But, you know, the only thing that you need a marriage for, or sometimes not even, is for a child to be born. Everything else, a child being nurtured, raised, provided for, taught, you can be involved in without being married. You can invest in a child's life. You can be a parent to someone. I know uh, for about three years I did fostering uh, where I fostered teenage boys and looked after them and helped them to grow, ones that had been cast aside by their own parents. You know, you can... 
don't write off that you can never be a parent. So maybe you're not going to be a parent in a biological sense, but you can certainly be a parent in every other sense. Um, so you are part of a family. You see, um, if we look at the verse, it says Paul, who is an apostle. Now, he was a single man. He says, I am an apostle on a special assignment for Christ, our living hope. Under God as Saviour's command, I am writing to this to you, Timothy, my son in the faith. All the best from our God and Christ be yours. All the way through Timothy, the whole book of 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Paul is referring to Timothy as his son. If you look, you will find sons and daughters around you that you can sow into, into your life and hopefully have lifelong relationships with. There are so many kids out there. I know Alana uh, does it with the, um, the program going into schools, coming along and mentoring kids. You know, there are so many kids that need parents that don't have them and you could be that parent for them. You could be that person that comes along and sows into them. Just because you're single doesn't mean you have to miss out on that part of life, but we often think we do. Myth number four. Marriage gives you a secure future. We think this a lot, don't we? Once I'm married, I'll be secure because then I'll have the house, then we'll have the family, then I'll have someone to look after me when I'm old. But that's not really the case. Your future is secure in God and who he says he is. It's interesting to know because I, I found this, like I worry a lot about, well, what's going to happen when I get old? Who will look after me and everything? And, and God always comes back to me and goes, well, is my presence with you now? Am I looking after you now? And I'm like, yes. And he's like, well, why do you think I wouldn't then? Um, and, and that's what we do. We often spend our time worrying about things and we have all these imaginary scenarios that are going in. But the thing is, is that faith will stand and act in a situation we're in. Faith won't influence the 100 million imaginative scenarios that you've created in your head. Faith doesn't impact that. It impacts the thing that you're in. So know that God is with you now. I remember uh, when I was preparing to be a missionary, we had to do this thing, this exercise, and they didn't tell us we were doing it. They, they basically um, reenacted us all being taken hostage and locking us in this cabin and with guns and everything, but we didn't know it was going to happen. Uh, so it felt very real. Um, and... Um, and even though it felt real, we knew it wasn't real, like we were safe. But we had this um, this moment where we were in this cabin and we were waiting, knocking on the doors, and someone had told us, you know, you have to um, decide which person's going to be let free amongst us. So we all had this conversation about who was going to be let free first amongst us. And it was interesting because in the conversation we all went, well, you've got kids you've got kids, you've got kids, so you should be let go first. And it was kind of like your value as a single person meant that you didn't count. But it was kind of like even as a single person, 
I bought into that as well. Um, but I can remember in this moment, I had this sudden revelation, and it's like, it doesn't matter how hard things get or wherever things go, I'm still going to feel, I can still feel God's presence in that. And I felt God's presence in that moment. And so I think I've come to the conclusion that when whatever I face, whatever uh, situation I'm in, God's presence is always there. And this is what he promises us. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And again, it doesn't have in brackets married people only. It's, it's He has a hope and a future for you wherever you are, however life turns out. Myth number five. Singleness is being condemned to loneliness. This is what we really think, don't we? Anyone seen Bridget Jones' diary, the opening scene? All by myself. <laughs> this is what we feel. We go home and we feel uh, like I'm all by myself and I'm condemned to loneliness because I'm single. But let me tell you, you can feel, you can feel lonely when you're married. You definitely can. You can feel like you're not understood by the person who should understand you most and it hurts. Now, probably there are different kinds of loneliness, but just because, you know, marriage is not an escape ticket from loneliness. You still feel it. But I guess as, um, as singles, you have to work a bit harder at not feeling lonely. Like you have to recognise that you have a need for community, that you have a need to hang out with people. I know Julia and I have discussed many times how you have to plan and book in appointments with people and sometimes weeks ahead just to make sure that you, especially in lockdowns, just to make sure that you see someone each week. Otherwise you can go for weeks and not actually have a face-to-face conversation with people. Uh, we were talking about it in our home group this week, um, about how can we look after one another in lockdowns because we're all at home by ourselves and we're single and how do we, how do we be a community around one another? You know, singleness is not being condemned to loneliness. Everyone has a kind of loneliness that they have to deal with. And, you know, the Bible knows about it. Jesus knows about it and he cares you know how many verses talk about widows and orphans and people looking out for them? Well, they were the lonely at the time, weren't they? They were the ones that didn't feel like they had family, that didn't have finance or security around them. The Bible has a lot to say about looking out for people. And we have a responsibility as a Christian community to look out for one another, to care for one another, whether we're single or married, you're not exempt. If you're married and the only people that you worry about are your nuclear family, well, I would challenge you that you're not actually living Christian community. You might be doing your best to help your kids grow up into the best people, but you're not teaching them to love one another as yourself, and that's a really important thing. So we all have a part to play. And when Christian community is working well, we all get to feel part of family. We all get to feel like we belong. Now, friendships might be different. Marriage is a very exclusive relationship. When you're single, you tend to have friends, a lot more friends, 
Um, and there, te- there tends to be more a breadth of friendship, whereas marriage more has a depth of friendship. So they are, they, they are different. And sometimes as a single person you have to share your friends with other people. And, you know, there's grief that comes and change that comes, um, particularly, say, when a friend gets married. You kind of go to the wedding and you're thinking, yeah, I want to be really happy for this person that they're getting married, but really, God, why is this not happening to me? And, you know, um, it's, it's real. Like I'm sure 50% of the people in this room have thought that. And, you know, you're going to the room and you're like, and one of the grief that you feel, which maybe you haven't put your finger on, is that your friendship with this person who's getting married may not be the same from now on because they've got to focus on that marriage. And it's kind of like you feel as a single, I've lost again. There's another grief I'm going through again. And there is a grief to singleness, I feel. Um, And it's not one that you can always recognise because it's like, well, when do you actually, in that whole process of being single, when do you go from in your mind of waiting to, okay, I'm accepting that maybe this is not going to happen. And there's a grief that happens but you never quite know the point where it should happen. So it's kind of like this grief for something that you never had. And that can be a hard thing to, to put words around and hard things to deal with. But you do need to know that um, you are not condemned to loneliness. Jesus has a place in your heart and he wants to be intimate with you. We are designed for intimacy, but we can live without romantic intimacy, but we can't live without intimacy. And Jesus has designed us and created the world, again, our worldview comes into play here, Jesus has created us in a way that um, we are designed for intimacy with him. And married or unmarried, you are going to feel that need for intimacy. Um, You're going to need to know that you need God because you still have the need for God whether you're married or not. Sometimes the loneliness can be a trigger to the place where we start looking for God, where we recognise our need for more, that we need to go deeper with him. I remember um, I went, I had this holiday booked to a lovely Greek island uh, and I was going with a friend and a week before I was going, my friend um, said she couldn't come anymore because there was a family crisis and she just couldn't come. Uh, So I asked another friend and she said she'd come and then a day before she couldn't come and I went, well, it looks like I'm going to this Greek island by myself, fun times. (laughs) And I can remember just spending time on that island going with my black heart (laughs) and being really angry and like, why am I going on holidays by myself and I want to go on vacation to a beach resort by myself. Um, You know, that's not fun. And then I started to realise maybe, you know, I've tried so hard to have someone with me, maybe actually God wants time with me to himself. And then I kind of, once I realised that and slid into it, um, I actually found that God spoke to me so deeply about about the whole thing, about being single and the disappointment, and he just spoke to me so deeply about it. 
I was just so touched about how much he cared because, you know, I went in and going, okay, well, if I'm going to spend a week with God, let's talk about ministry plans for the next year. Let's talk about what I'm going to do for you for the next year. And God's like, no, don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about you and why you're feeling so angry all the time. I want to talk to you about how do you reconcile this. And he just sort of came along and said, I know. I know how it feels and I want you to know I'm here for you. And, you know, you can have that kind of intimacy with God but it takes time to develop it and you've got to pursue it. But you need to know that God is always pursuing you. He is always wanting to go deeper with you. He is always wanting to develop intimacy with you and he will never leave you or forsake you. You know, it talks about um, in the Bible, you know, the Great Commission. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and... Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He promises to be with you always. Always. Married, single, always. He is with you always. So marriage is not better or worse than being single. It's just different. Jesus was fully human he was also fully single. He, he knew how to do life, getting his fulfilment from God. And that leads the way that there is the possibility for us to do that too. So if you're struggling with singleness or you have people around you that are struggling with singleness or if you're married and you're just feeling lonely, dig into intimacy with God. Do everything to let him come and speak to you because he's looking to speak to you. You know, he says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. He wants to eat with you. He wants to share with you. He wants to, you to grow with him. He wants to have a conversation with you. Let him. Let him. So why don't we stand? If one of those things, one of those myths really stood out to you, the myth of romantic fulfilment is fundamental to a full and complete life, or singleness is a calling, or singleness is being deprived of family, or marriage gives you a secure future, or singleness is being condemned to loneliness. If one of those in particular is something that you're struggling with, why don't you just raise your hands? Or if you just want to take a step closer to God right now, why don't you just raise your hands? Let this be a private moment. Let's just all just close our eyes. And just focus on God and let him speak to the deep part of our hearts, to the, to the parts where our hopes and dreams live, to the parts where we get our security, to the parts where we feel like we're valued. Let him speak into that right now. And whatever 
whatever thing that's holding you back, why don't you just give it to him right now and invite him in. Imagine yourself in it right now. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. What are you doing when you imagine yourself in that place? Are you opening the door? Are you turning your back to it and walking away? Are you greeting Jesus with a hug? Are you sitting down and eating together? Are you sharing the concerns of life together? What are you doing? Where are you at? Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears me, opens the door. I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Heavenly Father, we want to draw near to you today. We want to let you in to the secret parts of our lives, to the deep parts of our lives. We want intimacy with you. We want to live life to the full. We don't want to wait. We want to live life to the full now. We want to be in a family that you created for us. We want to sow into sons and daughters that are around us that you have for us. Show us who they are. Jesus' name.